You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 116, and today we're going along with last week's episode of Weight Set Point to talk about the hierarchy of fat loss and metabolic tendencies. It sounds big, but basically, this is how you lose weight. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to the show. My name's Alexa. This is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm so glad you're here. The last few episodes, we've been talking about weight, weight set point. Today, we're talking about the hierarchy of fat loss. And really, this is a fascinating subject for so many people. And I think it brings to light so many issues that are just kind of muffled by the world of eat this, not that, and the all or nothing mentality. This is not that at all. In fact, this is looking more at your uniqueness. And in fact, we're going to talk today about individual design and how that plays a role in what we should be doing. Now, like I said, I love this topic, but I wanted to have someone else, another expert in the field, come on and talk more specifically about the hierarchy of fat loss and this idea of individual design and even something called somatotypes, which is basically just how you're built, right? Like what we know about physically looking at someone and about you looking at yourself in the mirror, not in any way to like talk negatively about that, but to use that information for good. So today on the show, I'm excited to bring you Megan Dahlman. Megan is a certified strength and conditioning specialist as well as certified nutrition coach. She is really fabulous as she's been in this field for over a decade and has so much information to share with you. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about this fitness hierarchy, fat loss hierarchy, and why maybe so many people are struggling in that area. So I'm going to be asking her questions about individual design, about finding your somatotype and what it means for what you should be eating and also what type of exercise is the best for fat loss. So you're going to want to stay tuned to check that out. In the meantime, I have a few announcements to tell you before we get started. One is, don't forget, the 2019 Nourish Planner is here. It's live, and you're going to want to grab that. Remember, I teased you a few episodes ago about starting something new this coming new year. A lot of things are going to change slightly, but stay the same at the same time. Anyways, there's some really great stuff coming up and I'm going to tell you the secret is out that you need a 2019 Nourish Planner to join me in this upcoming thing that I have going on. Okay, that's super vague. You have no idea, but grab that 2019 Nourish Planner. You're going to want to join me in that. I'm going to give you a special discount just for the show so that you can grab that. If you use the code NOURISH25, you can get a 2019 Nourish Planner 25% off. Again, it's one of those tools that I use every single day that helps me organize my life and not just my to-do work life, but my health, like keeping track of meal plans and keeping me eating seasonally and in all of these other areas that I can then fit more of what it is that I really want to do with my life and spend more time with my family. So many good things come from the 2019 Nourish Planner. A lot of people love it. And I know, go back to that. I know that there's this drive and motivation to schedule everything on your phone, but as science states, it is actually better for you to take pen to paper. You're more likely to remember, plus it decreases the stress load in your body. So spending too much time on your phone increases the cortisol levels, which we know increase fat stores. So if you want to help your body, get a Nourish Planner. (laughs) Anyways, the 2019 Nourish Planners are available at www.nourishplanner.com. And remember, grab that. 
using the coupon NOURISH25 to get 25% off your order. That coupon is good just for a few weeks. And before we get started, one more announcement. Make sure you sign up for my weekly newsletter. You can do this over at the show notes at simplerootswellness.com backslash 116, or just head on over to simplerootswellness.com, sign up on my homepage, because like I said, there are some exciting details coming out. Plus, if you haven't been following along, then you don't know that I actually finally, after multiple years of sickness and kind of trying to regain my health, what I've learned is that I now have a diagnosis. I have Lyme disease, which I'm not totally surprised. This has been brought to my attention numerous times before, but the official diagnosis is in, and it is that. Now, I'm going to be sharing what I'm doing to heal my body, some interesting stuff that I've learned over on the email list. I know some of you probably don't care at all, and I don't say that I have that to get any sympathy, right? I don't want it to be a label that defines my life. It's not who I am. Yes, I have it, and I am going to tell you that I'm determined to beat it. So if you want to know more about that, head on over there. I've had so many questions coming in and great advice from other people. So I really appreciate that. But as well as being on that email list, you're going to be the first to know and have access to what I'm launching in the new year. So make sure you head on over there. I'm going to start teasing it soon. All you have to do is drop your name, email, and you'll hear from me weekly. Okay, that's it for today. Grab your Nourish Planner and sign up for that email list. And for now, let's get right to the show. Welcome to the show, Megan. I'm excited to talk yeah. to you. We we have a mutual friend and business coach, so it's kind of fun to actually like meet through that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is quite a treat, Alexa. Good. Okay, today we're going to dive into metabolic tendencies and hierarchy of fat loss. Now, this is perfect timing because last week on the show, I just released an sh- uh, episode all on weight set point. And, you know, kind of tipping the iceberg with some of this information. So I think this is just going to take it a step further. And I hope as the new year approaches, which there's still a lot of year left, so I shouldn't even say that, but I know people are already starting to think about the new year, that this can kind of help maybe set some different goals or change thinking. So I'm excited to learn from you. So I want to know, like, I first want to look at the big question because I like to zoom out on health before coming in. And so I want to have you answer this question of what do you wish people knew about the topic of individual design? Yes. And maybe define that because this is the first time I've used that word on here. Yeah. Individual design is such a great way to, to imagine it. Um, I think that it's important for us to all understand that none of us fit into any particular box. We're all very unique and we all have very unique designs. And I think what's the most important thing to understand is that there is not a particular design that is superior to or better than others. I think as, as women, we have a tendency to believe that, um, for example, the long and slender body is the best, you know, see it modeled in many models and even fitness models. And it's kind of something we all kind of chase after and crave. Um, but the truth is that even that particular body type has its own drawbacks and other genetic body types have their own strengths. So that's kind of what we're talking about here is that there are different genetic tendencies that we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of us are exactly similar to another person. And it's really important for us to embrace our own body's individual design. And I think it's, 
it's really important that we're able to rise above the idea that we want to be different or, or we wish that we were different or similar to a different design and acknowledge that we're all really uniquely created in the image of God. Um, and really only you can reflect him and bear his image in that particular way um, that you do. And so I think that's really important to understand that not someone else is doing it better or is more ideal than another person. We all are equal image bearers of him. Mm -hmm. And once we can really accept and honestly, truly appreciate that, then we can really start to tap into our strengths and use them rather than constantly fighting our weaknesses, which is, I think, what many of us go through life doing is fighting our weaknesses. Right. And we've kind of been taught, though, that there's a one-size-fits-all approach that we yeah. really should put ourselves in a box and that we should all look a certain way and be a certain size. And it's just so unrealistic for the majority of people. And like you said, it has to do with our individual design and specifically something called somatotypes, which yeah. I want you to describe that and how someone would determine that. Yeah, so somatotypes are just a are they're general categories of body structure and um, and even muscle and fat distribution. So some people will, will debate. You'll hear this out there that this concept of somatotyping doesn't really exist. And while there's still some more research to be done, you know, like with any mm -hmm. aspect of science, um, it's very clear that we're all genetically different. So using somatotypes is just helpful to kind of paint some broad strokes with our differences um, and to just give us all a better starting point with what we're working with. So um, you'll hear kind of both sides of the equation, but it's in my experience, it's really helpful to use somatotyping um, just to give people a better understanding of where they're, they're coming from. Um, so in general, there are three different types. Um, there's the ectomorph body type, there's the endomorph body type, and there's the mesomorph body type. So they're very big three, words. <laughs> yeah, very fancy, big words. And it's easy if you just kind of um, clip them down a little shorter to ecto, endo, and meso. Um, and I'll explain each one of those. So an ectomorph is someone who tends to be naturally thin with skinnier limbs. You can kind of think of like a marathon runner, someone who's very natural at being a marathoner. Mm -hmm. um, they're more naturally inclined to endurance style exercise. They naturally have a very high metabolism. They have an easier time staying thin. They, they tend to have a more petite bone structure. And generally, these are the people that you know that never really struggle with their weight. Mm -hmm. They can be tall or they can be short, but they're typically pretty slim. The challenge for ectomorphs, because each body type has its own challenge, the challenge is that they tend to have a really hard time building muscle mass. So an ectomorph might, um, might feel weak or fragile sometimes. Um, and so that's kind of their, their challenge is being able to put on muscle mass. They could work out and lift weights religiously, but they might still struggle to see any form of muscle definition. So, so that's kind of the challenge for an ectomorph. So that's, that's that broad category. Um, the other E one is endomorph. Um, and endomorph is someone who is kind of naturally inclined to be broader and thicker, um, endomorph athletes in the athletic realm, they kind of excel as power lifters, football players, throwers. They typically tend to have a slower metabolism naturally. Mm. 
Um, and this is something we'll talk about a little bit more, but they tend to be more insulin dominant, meaning that their insulin is pretty fast acting and it helps funnel sugars into fat storage a little bit more readily with this particular body type. So they have a harder time maintaining healthy body fat levels and tend to carry most of their weight around their midsection. Um, but even endomorphs, when they are at their leanest and they do lose body fat, um, they sometimes still feel kind of stout. So that's, that's that particular design. And then lastly, the mesomorph, this is the M, um, which is easy to remember because they're generally muscular mm. and compact. So this particular body type, um, is you can think of like soccer players, sprinters, even bodybuilders. So they pack on muscle very easily. It's, um, they have a relatively easy time controlling body fat levels. They tend to kind of be in the middle of both of those first types. Um, they are naturally strong when they do slim down their muscles really pop. So this can be a challenging body type for women just because we are culturally, um, inclined to not want to be muscular, but right. there are many, and myself included, I am a very true mesomorph. I, I can't, if I slim down, I mm -hmm. look very muscular. And so that's, that's that particular body type. So that kind of gives you a, a big, broad picture of the different somatotypes that exist. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Okay. Yeah. So this is just a random side, quick question. I get a lot sure. of mention about the Ayurvedic diet and I know that they have mm -hmm. three types. Is this similar? Like, are they pulling from the same thing? I know that there's a difference in what they believe and other things like that, but is that similar to yeah, that? Like, so, is it all the big picture of like, we're, we're separating people yep. into groups based on how they look, which is yep. not necessarily on how they look, because like you said, there's a distribution in fat, there's a difference in hormones, like, clearly people are storing and using energies differently, like calories and other things that we're doing. So is it all like, I mean, is that similar? Like, are somatotypes similar to like it's the Ayurvedic? Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people could, you know, there's the, the, um, blood type, you know, mm -hmm. I think that that's a different type of diet, but really what it boils down to is how does your body's natural metabolism tend to work? Mm -hmm. Um, are you a sugar burner? Are you a fat burner? Are you, is your bone structure larger? Mm -hmm. Um, are you more petite? So I think that there's lots of different ways to kind of categorize it. To, and we're all kind of describing the same thing that we're noticing. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think that it's probably all pretty similar. Yeah. So how does someone tell what type they are? I mean, like, are we distinctly put into those categories? Or like, is there a crossover? Yeah, there's certainly crossovers. So you'll have some people that land right in the category perfectly. And they're they're really easy to work with. It's super clear. You know, someone like myself, it's like I'm I don't have a foot in either of the other categories. Like mm -hmm. I'm just clearly a mesomorph. Whereas there's other people that are very, very clearly ectomorph, and then other people that are very clearly endomorph. Mm -hmm. Now you can certainly be genetically kind of a hybrid where you do pack on muscle easily, but you're on the slimmer side, you know, more leaner, um, longer, thinner limbs. Or you could be someone who's kind of a mesomorph, packs on muscle. You have a fast-burning metabolism, but you tend to be broader and thicker. You're just right. a larger person. Um, 
Right. So you can certainly mm-hmm. be a hybrid and that's where it can get confusing for people because they're like, well, I just don't feel like I, I fit perfectly into a category. So yeah, absolutely. And I would say there's probably more hybrids out there mm-hmm. than true categorical persons. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah. But it's still helpful to know because once you know this information, then you can use it to change how you eat and how you exercise because there's a difference exactly. metabolically. So can you get into yes. that a little bit? Like, Okay, once you figure out your mess or once you figure out your somatotype, then how do you use that information and what can it change? Yeah, so really it comes down to like what are your metabolic tendencies? So um so whether you are an ecto or a meso or an endomorph, um really your focus should be on doing exercise and eating habits that really work on increasing your metabolism. So you can't just be doing an activity that burns the most calories. Um, Otherwise, you'd have to do two hours of cardio every single day, um, which is not ideal. And we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the Mm -hmm. hierarchy of fat loss. Um, But generally... um, you need workouts that encourage your metabolism and you need to be eating in a certain way that encourages your metabolism to be, um, reflecting the healthiest form for you. It's Mm -hmm. not healthiest for us to have slow metabolisms that, um, funnel sugar store sugars into storage very quickly. That's not healthy for our bodies. So even someone who is an endomorph and that might be their natural tendency, it's important that they eat and exercise in a certain way that encourages better insulin response, um, that they eat in a certain way that encourages better metabolism through their muscle mass, um, just by the way they, that they exercise. Um, so yeah, you can certainly work with um, your particular body type and, and get different results based on the activities that you're Mm -hmm. doing and the eating habits that you're doing. So can you break down a few things? Like if, if you can look at ourselves, because I think we can all easily say, this is probably what category that I fit in Mm -hmm. or some kind of hybrid. So can you like break down generic? Okay. If you're this type, this is kind of what your body needs. Like just to get the ball rolling on how this could change our thought patterns. Yeah. Yeah. So when we understand that our individual design greatly determines our body's ability to process carbohydrates, proteins, and fats a little differently, we can get more personalized with our food choices, which is super helpful. So someone that's an ectomorph. So that first type of person that I explained the, the marathon runner, Mm -hmm. you know, the slender and leaner person, they process starchier carbohydrates really well. So starchier carbohydrates, those are like your grains. Those are your potatoes. That's, that's the starchy stuff. Their bodies actually process them quite well. They use them for energy, um, and they have a less, less of a tendency to store it as fat. So this person will actually feel really great if they have a serving of starchy carbs along with protein and plenty of produce with most meals of the day. Mm -hmm. So honestly, these people, if they're trying to limit their starchier carbohydrates, they'll probably feel like they just don't have enough energy. Um, so for someone who is this body type, it's important for them to eat a little bit more of those starchy carbs. So they might not excel well on a diet. That's like a keto style diet, uh just is not going to jive with their own genetic makeup. On the other hand, someone that's an endomorph. So the other end of the spectrum, 
they don't process starchy carbs very well just because of their body's readiness to place their starchy carbs in fat stores. So an endomorph will probably feel best and reach their goals better if they limit their overall starchy carb intake and eat them and try to save those types of carbs for that window that surrounds a workout. So when we work out, um, it actually stimulates our insulin to do to do it better. Um, and so that's really the best time for an endomorph to consume starchy carbohydrates. Now, the mesomorph tends to land right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So they'll feel best when they consume, you know, not with every meal, um, but one or two servings of starchy carbs a day and preferably in that workout window. Um, now, someone who isn't quite sure what body type they are, because I think that's a lot of people, they're just not quite sure um, what category they land in, or they might be a hybrid, but they're certain that their metabolism has slowed down. Their body is starting to kind of, um, resemble an endomorph and their body tends to store fat easily. Um, this person will do best if they eat similar to that endomorph recommendation. Mm -hmm. So even if they might not be genetically a true endomorph, yeah. um, their body might be behaving like one now. Um, cause that's another thing is that you can actually shift around <laughs> body types, but, um, they will do best if their goal is to lose body fat and to improve their metabolism. They'll do best if they eat like an endomorph. So okay. limiting their starchy carbohydrates to just that workout period. Mm -hmm. So in general, all the rest of everyone's meals, no matter what body type you are, you just really need to emphasize lots of protein lots of fresh produce and plenty of healthy fats. So that's, that's kind of the nutrition side of how you can individualize this better. And really it just comes down to manipulating those starchy carbohydrates. Mm, right. Right. Which is a big trend right now too. Yeah. But like you said, it's so easy to fall into, oh my gosh, it worked for my friend. So it's going to work for me, but we can't push our body beyond what it's designed. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And, exactly. I, and I think the more we do that, the more frustrated we become and, and really the more harm we put on our body rather than just knowing, accepting, loving and respecting for what it is and what it can and cap is capable of doing. Um, and so I kind of exactly. want to continue on this thought of unique design because yeah. I think it's a hard concept for us to grasp. But once we do, it's like the freedom that we've all been looking for in the health world. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, I mean... It's it's not just about eating less and exercising more. Like, I, I want to make that clear. And so mm -hmm. when you describe this and you have someone new who's coming to you who's done everything in the book, like, what is your first piece of advice for them? Well, my first piece of advice is let's, let's just make sure that your basics are in place. Mm -hmm. Um let's make sure that your, that your workouts are the style of workouts that no matter what your body type, that they're the style of workouts that are making you stronger, that they're building your muscle mass, because that is extremely important. Um, and then let's make sure that your nutrition basics are in place. Are you eating plenty of meals? Are you making sure that you're not skipping meals constantly that could mess with your metabolism? Um, and let's make sure that you're eating lots of of good protein and lots of good produce. Like, let's just start there. So frequently, a lot of people will, will come into a program or, or come into 
wanting to get healthier with a lot of ideas already in their mind. And they're kind of clogged down Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they'll kind of be bouncing around from so many ideas. You know, they'll go to a bar class one day and then they'll go to cycle class the next day. And then, then they'll show up at a CrossFit gym. And, And so they're just kind of like bouncing all around. And then their workouts are all over the place. They'll try keto for one week and then they'll try whole 30 for another week. And and so it's important for people to just come down, just come down to the basics and make sure that those are anchored and that those are really good. And nine times out of 10, that's enough for people when they make sure that they're strength training regularly and that they're eating plenty of produce and plenty of protein, that might be all that they need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we don't even get to the place where they have to eat for their own particular body type. They start to see enough changes um, without even having to get there. But we do get there um, if the, all those things are in place already. So if they're doing really great on that front, and it's like, well, what else can I do? Right. Then you start to look to these more complicated things. Um But I would say a lot of women want to jump right to the complicated stuff first because they feel like, oh, well, I'm going to be doing, I'm doing more, you Mm -hmm. know, but, but we got to make sure that those basics are really mastered first. It's Mm -hmm. highly important, really Mm -hmm. important. Right, right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And you do a lot Mm -hmm. with exercise. Yes. And so I want to kind of talk about that too, as it relates to our unique design, because just like food changes, like how we exercise, it's not all the same for everyone. Right. So what's your approach to the exercise component? Yeah. So I think for most people, they tend to choose exercise based on what's going to burn the most amount of calories. Um, and cause we kind of have been conditioned that way, you know, we'll walk into the gym and we'll pick whichever machine is going to burn the most calories for us, or we'll pick whichever thing touts, Like this is the highest calorie burn, you know, you'll Mm -hmm. show up to this class, you'll burn 800 calories in the class, you know, like that's usually the stuff that we pick, but really what we all need, you know, regardless of our body type, what we all need to be doing is doing workouts that are, that encourage our metabolism to work at a higher rate in general all day long, whether or not you're in the middle of a workout. So, um, you know, that, machine that you walk over to that you might burn 500 calories while you're doing the machine that might stop the moment you walk away from the machine and your body could quickly be returning down to resting levels of metabolism. So what we need to be choosing are types of exercises that not only create a lot of output during the workout itself, but then have this lingering effect over the course of the remainder of the day and into the next day and into the next workout. So this is particularly important for endomorphs. Um, so there are a lot of women that generally genetically resemble an endomorph, you know, they feel overweight. So they think that the answer is doing hours and hours of cardio because, you know, that's the thing that makes sense to us in our mind that that's going to burn the most calories. Um, whereas there are far better methods to manipulate their metabolism and really help them reach their fat loss goals better. Um, and honestly, most endomorphs and even mesomorphs that I know don't even enjoy steady state cardio like Mm -hmm. that. Their bodies simply are just not built for it. Mm -hmm. Um, usually an endomorph that 
creates the goal of running a marathon, that whole training process, they're just kind of miserable. Now there are certain exceptions to that. You know, there are plenty of genetic endomorphs that really, really do enjoy running marathons, but ectomorphs in general, that long lean slender type, um, their bodies are just built for that more. They Mm -hmm. have the muscle fiber types that truly excel at distance style training. So I think most people in general want to kind of shove themselves into the box of, well, I need to be doing marathons to lose body fat. Right. Um, where honestly, that's, that's not the best method for body fat loss. Um, and it's just going to be jiving against what your body wants to do, what it was designed to do. If you're an endomorph, you have that thicker, broader body style, you were built for power, you were built for weightlifting. You're going to have so much more fun in the gym lifting heavy weights and feel really great about it than if you're out trying to run marathons. So whereas an ectomorph might not feel that awesome in the gym trying to lift heavy weights. Right. So yeah, that's kind of like the spectrum of how we're all just built a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you also talk about, like, I love how first you're talking about, like, really owning the strengths and weaknesses, which I think mm-hmm. part of this is, like, knowing what is it that we like. And it's okay not to like everything because maybe your body's not built for that. But there's always something. And I kind of want to keep talking about this because I think it's yeah. really freeing to open up this world of, like, we don't have to be like everyone else. And just because it says one way or one system, it doesn't mean our bodies work that way. Like, we are all different. But when you yeah. look at fat loss, you talk about the hierarchy of fitness for less fat loss. Can you explain mm-hmm. this further? Yeah. So when your goal is to lose body fat, okay, so if that is your primary goal, when you're, when you're trying to put together a workout regimen and trying to decide what to do in order to reduce your body fat, to get it to healthy levels, there are certain types of exercises that are more effective than others to do this. Um, it really, like I said before, it's really not just calories in calories out. There are certain methods of working out that are more effective for losing body fat. And this has been proven time and time again through scientific research. There has been a lot of studies done on the most effective methods for losing body fat. Mm -hmm. So, um, the bottom of the list, which is kind of interesting and it kind of flips everybody on their heads I'll start with the bottom. So really the least effective method for losing body fat is steady state cardio. Mm -hmm. So going out for like a five mile run is going to be the the least effective thing for losing body fat Mm -hmm. stores. Which is like Um, (laughs) mind blowing for some people. It would have been me years ago, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh Yeah. And most people are like, well, I, I need to lose weight. So I need to do more cardio. That's kind of like what we've been conditioned to do, but actually that's the last thing you should be doing. Can you tell why, like, can you give reasons and why this is true? Yeah. So steady state cardio is, is, is just not intense enough to really, um, manipulate your metabolism long term, Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, our bodies are really good at, um, at getting efficient very quickly. So if you go out and run three miles, that might be challenging for your body for a week or two Mm -hmm. weeks even. And you might feel a big difference in those two weeks and you might be convinced that this is working for you. But if all you keep doing is just running that same three miles at that same pace, your body is going to get really, really good at that. Mm -hmm. And what, 
and in the beginning, you might have expended 300 calories, you know, for example, to cover those three miles. After two weeks, you might only be expending 250 calories because your body's like, yeah, we got this. We're good at this now. And then maybe a couple weeks later, now you're only expending 200 calories right. to cover those three. So you got to do something. You either have to increase the intensity of it, make it harder, or go longer. And that's what most people end up doing. They just end up running longer. So now we have a lot of people that are doing cardio, but they're just doing it longer and longer. And they, they might be at the gym for two hours doing the elliptical machine for two hours because their bodies have gotten so efficient that that's what it's doing. That's what they need to do to kind of burn the equivalent of what they were doing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are more categories that you can tap into that are far better than steady state cardio. Mm. Um, so kind of moving on with the hierarchy of fat loss. So the next thing up on the list that's even better than steady state cardio is to do intervals. So we've heard this before, like hit style training, like mm -hmm. high intensity interval training. So this would be like, if you were to go out and run sprints. Okay. So instead of just running, jogging for three miles, you break up that three miles and you sprint hard and then you walk and then you sprint mm -hmm. hard and then you walk. So that would be more effective. Um, but it's still not the best. It's definitely better than steady state, but it's not the best above hit style training is body weight style strength training. So this would be, um, for many people, this would be like Pilates. This would be like just doing like body weight style, you know, squats, mm -hmm. pushups, things right. like that. Um, kind of circuit style, you know, maybe boot camp style a little bit. It's a little harder, more, um, more challenging for your body in general. So that's why it's a little bit better than the hit style. You're doing different movements. You're working more muscles than just running. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a little bit better now, better than that even is doing that kind of stuff, but adding load to it. So instead of just body weight, you know, which is what you're going to get in like a bar class or a Pilates class. Now we take similar styles of exercises and maybe even a, in a circuit format and we add external load to it. So we add weights. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be even better. So, um, that will be like maybe boot camp style circuits where you're moving quickly. Maybe you're doing, you know, a lot of reps you know, let's say they say, Hey, let's do this exercise for 30 minutes or 30 seconds. Right. And it's a lot of reps right. and, um, you can't push as heavy as you possibly can because you have to last for 30 seconds, but it's still going to be pretty darn effective mm -hmm. for losing fat loss. Now there's one thing at the very, very top of the hierarchy that's even better than all of them. And that is just plain old heavy strength training. Mm. Um, so this is like low reps. This is that probably that six to 12 repetition range where you're pushing so heavy that you have to stop at 12. It's very demanding on your body, very demanding for your muscles. It's also demanding for your cardiovascular system. It's got to get that blood to those muscles. So you mm -hmm. actually are getting an aerobic workout at the same time. Heavy strength training is the most effective method for fat loss. And we usually think that that is at the bottom of the list. Right. We kind of have that whole list completely upside down. Mm. 
So yeah, I think if everybody, especially, you know, if your goal is to run a marathon, you can't do that by just doing heavy strength training the whole time. But if your goal is to lose fat, then you need to follow this hierarchy of fat loss. You need to make sure that your number one priority is lifting heavy weights. Mm. Yeah. So how does someone know, like, is there a rotation that you should be doing? Or is this like the focus of like, like, what is that plan? Like, how does someone create a plan for this? Yeah. So to create a plan for this, you kind of can work with that hierarchy of fat loss and just understand that you have certain workouts that have a higher priority than others. So when, if you know that your goal is to lose body fat, then the most important workouts for you are your heavy strength training style workouts. Mm -hmm. Because they are so demanding, you can't do it every day. You can maybe do it three days a week, maybe just two days a week. So they're total body, you know, you, you try to pick a, a routine that covers everything so that you're very efficient. You know, you're working upper body, lower body, midsection, and you're doing all movements, but you're doing them heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, twice a week is really great for that. But then you start to fill in the other days with the things that are a little bit lower in priority. So the next, you kind of work your way down the list. So, okay, you've got your two days that are the really nice heavy strength training. Then we can start to pad it with, you know, maybe some loaded metabolic conditioning. So you can pick another day that's not as heavy. Maybe it's a Tabata style routine or a boot camp style workout. And that could be another day of the week. Um, and then you can pad it with another day that's just body weight style. So now you've can fit in your Pilates class or your bar class, you know, where it's just body weight. But if you're going to drop anything, drop the things that are at the bottom of the list. So, so if your goal is to do the fat loss, the, the last thing that you should be trying to fit into your routine is that steady state cardio. Right, right, right. Which is what so many people rely on. (laughs) Totally. They're like, well, I'll do the strength training if I have time. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating because so much of what we've, what we've known is oftentimes not where it's going to work, but it shows because if it worked, we wouldn't be here. Right. Like, so it's kind of going outside the norm and what we've been told to believe. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with cardio, right? Like, but it's just not for fat loss. It's not the best for fat loss and it's not for everyone. And it's okay if it's not for you. I think there's a lot of people that get, you know, that feel bad about it. Like I just can't run more than a mile and they feel really bad about it. But the moment they step into the gym and start pushing around some heavy weights, like, man, they feel amazing Mm -hmm. and feel so much more confident because they're really working with what their body was made to do. And now they hit their stride and now they actually enjoy working out rather than feeling like, man, I got to run every day. That's just miserable. So whereas someone else might actually really love to run every day. So I think it's helpful to understand that we don't all have to do it exactly the same way, but you have to be honest about what your goals are. So someone who does really enjoy running every day if they have the goal of losing fat loss, they're going to have to switch up their routine mm-hmm. for a period of time if that's more important than running every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you have to be honest. <laughs> and I talk a lot about metabolic compensation. And so they're mm-hmm. kind of, I hope we're getting to see the idea that 
switching things up is really great for your body. Yes. Um, and it kind of gives it something different and it offers different things. And so that's really, really important too. So yes. I want to know, like, just zooming out on health, mm-hmm. what do you believe is the worst thing people are doing for their health? Honestly, there's a lot of things that people are doing that's bad for their health. But honestly, I think the number one thing is just being sedentary, Mm. flat Mm -hmm. out. Like Mm -hmm. just being someone that goes about their day moving from one sitting position to the next. Mm -hmm. I think that um, Americans in general, we sit, we lay down, we sit in the morning at breakfast, we walk to our cars, we sit in our cars, then we sit at a desk all day long, then walk back to our car and then come home and sit on the couch all evening. So I think that is damaging our health probably more than anything else is just being sedentary. So if someone can just start to reverse that order and just start to move a little bit more during the day, even if that is going for a walk, you know, doing the heavy strength training, like I'm talking about, that could feel like, whoa, that's so beyond what I feel capable of doing because they might be like really sedentary right now. That's okay. Just start moving a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you tell someone who doesn't like to move? Like, I mean, (laughs) just, I'd like think of my sister and I'll use her as an example because I've always found it therapeutic for me to move. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know some people who just like, she just doesn't like it, but she wants to, right? Like she wants to be healthy. So like, how do you help someone find something that they actually enjoy? Because I believe that even if you don't, think you like exercise, everyone really can find a way to enjoy it. Exactly. I think it's important to, to try a lot of different things. Um, you might not, you know, that person might not like going to the gym and working out. That might be like the most awful thing in their mind is trying to do that, but they might really enjoy following along with like a yoga session at home. Um, or getting outside for a fresh air walk, walking in the fresh air is one of the only physical activities that we can do that actually lowers our stress levels and our stress hormones in our body. It's pretty remarkable. So, um, just start there, start with something that you know you can do. And for most people, it is a huge barrier just to begin something. So, whether that's even just committing to walking every day. Mm -hmm. So you have to just give yourself a tangible goal of, okay, I know I need to start moving. I'm not comfortable with it, but what is something I can do? And if that's just walking every day, give yourself that goal, that goal, and just admit that it's not going to be easy to start. You're going to have to be disciplined to do it. And you have to overcome, you have to have some willpower to make sure that happens. Um, so you have to just start with something small and doable. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will say either I'm going to do nothing or I'm going to work out every single day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, there's a lot between there and there. So just start with what you can do. And most people, if you ask them, well, do you feel like you could go for a 10 minute walk every day? They'd be like, oh yeah, totally. I could easily do that. It's like, okay, great. Then let's start there. And then maybe we'll build from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. On the flip side, what's the best or like the most positive thing someone could do for their health? Um, doing, like I said, just doing something small every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and usually those little small changes will lead to bigger changes or bigger habit changes 
because the small changes will start to feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, it's kind of the snowball effect, right? Where you do a little change or you make a little habit change and you realize that, oh, okay, yeah, this was really hard in the beginning, but I love the way I feel because of this. Um, as long as we're taking the time to step back and, and ask, how do I feel or how does this make mm-hmm. me feel? And, and most of the time we realize, wow, this feels really good. So it kind of snowballs to the next thing. It's kind of the idea of getting up and making sure you have a good breakfast every morning. Is breakfast really the most important meal of the day? Maybe not technically, but it's the fact that you made an effort to have a healthy meal first thing in the day leads to better choices all day long. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just if you can do one small thing every day, it's most likely going to lead naturally to bigger things and to other things. It's that snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, that is right on with what I believe. It's just like the yeah. small, I call them rhythms or routines that we can get ourselves yes. into that really snowball. And like you said, breakfast might not be the most important meal of the day, but how you start your day is statistically how you finish your day. And exactly. so starting it on the right foot. So can you give us like three to five routines that you like to help people get into? Like they don't even have to be nutrition or fitness related, but just like some things that they could start to focus on that put this into practice. Yeah. You know, I think focusing on the big things is helpful for people because it it gives them, okay, I know I need to eat a little bit better. Okay. Well, what does that look like? So usually I say, let's just make sure that you're eating all of your meals. So if it's a mealtime, you eat, And then you can practice if it's not a mealtime, don't eat. Mm -hmm. And so just having that as kind of a guideline during your day for most people, yeah, they can easily do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. So if you just go through your day and just be like, okay, is it breakfast? Okay, that means I need to eat. So if if you come to a point of the day that it's a mealtime, make sure that you actually take the time out to feed yourself. Stop skipping meals. I think most of our, uh, so many bad eating choices are happening because we're over hungry or we're nutrient deficient of some sort. And if we just took a little bit of time out to make sure that we're eating at every meal time and not skipping meals, that can make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. So for most people, that's a really easy place to start is to just make sure they're eating their meals. Um, and then something that's so easy that I try to coach people on is when it is a meal time, make sure that you're always choosing something that's a protein and you're always choosing something that's produce. And it's really easy if you think eat your pros, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's, that's super good. easy yeah, to remember. Right. Just eat your pros at your meals. And then you, no matter what environment or what situation you're in, you can you have this like really easy framework for how to choose something. You kind of look for, well, where's the protein that I'm going to pick? And then where's the produce that I'm going to pick? And so um, if we can just start there with people, that's a really easy place. And then on the exercise front, just start by moving every day. Um, if you're completely sedentary, a great place to start is just try to go for a walk every day. If you're not completely sedentary and kind of you already have some form of a routine going on, but it's kind of messy and flexible, then let's see if we can get you into a better routine of doing those higher priority style workouts, of doing some good strength training. 
um, having a good sound strength training program to follow. Mm-hmm. And, and those are usually for people, the best places to start where it makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's such good information. This has been amazing. I feel like it's just like yeah. very practical information that you can start to look at yourself a little bit more than the outward diets and start to just put the pieces together. And that's yeah. really what I love about your approach is just helping people to see themselves. Like you said, the individual design of mm-hmm. who they are and really start to work with your body instead of against it. And I think you put it so simply about how we could easily do that because we can talk about that all day long, but it's still an overwhelming feat when people want rules and structure. And But we can create that in our own life. And I think once we create mm-hmm. that, it becomes something that's more you and then it works, right? Because the worst thing exactly. is, is to try and do something that you don't like because it will never work long-term. So we have to make <laughs> exactly. this work with us. And that's what's so great about this. So such great yes. information. Before yes. I jump off here or have you tell people where they can learn more about you and this information, I have a few quick fire questions because these of are course. always fun. Okay. Yes. So what is one thing you do every day for your health? Oh, I love this question. Um, well, I do obviously a lot of things for my health every day, but probably the most important thing I do every day is sleep. Mm. I sleep a lot Mm -hmm. and I really prioritize my sleep above almost everything else because if I'm well rested, it really determines my choices all day long. I can make better food choices (laughs) and I can exercise better. So I make sure my sleep is on par every day. (laughs) It's really the most important aspect of health. So I say that's a wise choice. Yes. What is your favorite health book? Okay. This one is kind of funny. I'm such a nerd. So all my health books are like textbooks. <laughs> I have like my nutrition textbooks and my strength and conditioning textbooks that I, I read most of the time. But um, one health book that I really, I love is um, Rachel Cosgrove's The Female Body Breakthrough. And it's just really sound, good um, strength and conditioning advice and nutrition advice. Um, and it's geared towards women that are really willing to to just finally do what it takes to kind of make that breakthrough with their body. And it's really a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about the whole time. So it's a really good book. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one before. So I'm excited to dig into that and check that out. Um, What is on your Christmas list? I mean, this is premature, right? Um, (laughs) I know. But Christmas, (laughs) what is on your Christmas list? Oh, I had to, I have to think about this one because I'm, I really like, home decor. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like my side side thing is decorating my house, but that, that gets a little, you know, I can easily over-decorate, but honestly, (laughs) the thing, (laughs) the things that I really would love, I really want more kettlebells Mm. and I would love a pull-up bar. (laughs) So I, I work out at home and I have a home gym and I feel like those are things that I would get so much use out of. It's just a more well-rounded, I have a full dumbbell set. I have a lot of weights, but I just would like a few more kettlebells. Yeah. And I would really like a pull-up bar. I want to master my pull-ups this next year. So I mean, you crush that. (laughs) I feel like I hang there and I'm like, yep, my arms are literally (laughs) going to dislocate from the second. Oh, that's awesome. But Okay, maybe this would be a better question. Like, what's your favorite piece of workout equipment? Ooh, my favorite piece of workout equipment? Well, I can do a lot of things just with my body. Right. So I suppose Mm -hmm. that that would be my favorite piece of equipment. There is. You don't need um, any equipment to get a good workout in. Oh, not at all. But I would have to say if there's something I couldn't live without, it would probably be my foam roller. 
Oh yeah. It's, that's probably, you know, I can do a lot of strength training just with my own body weight and through other stuff, but man, the foam roller, that thing is magical. I love it. How long do you, how often do you use yours? I use it every day. It's Uh some, and all my clients, I make sure they use it every day. So it's, it's mandatory post-workout cool down time. You, you do your workout, then you hop on your foam roller, you foam roll your entire body and then you stretch. I feel like we need to do a class on how to foam roll. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I, I like a foam roller. I will be honest. I do not use it nearly as much back in the day when I owned a gym, like mm-hmm. you said, I used it a lot, but now I'm like, man, I need to get back to that because of all the fascia and just yes. my lymphatic flow and everything else can really benefit oh, from huge. it. So, but yeah. it's kind of like people... one of those big scary tools. It's like, okay, great. Now what? <laughs> well, and then the scariest part is the first time you get on it, it usually hurts pretty bad. Yeah. And so a lot of people freak out and they're like, is it supposed to hurt this much? And I always try to reassure people healthy tissue does not hurt. So if it hurts, ah. it tells you you really need to use it. Your fashion needs it. Your muscle tissues need it. So yes, it's, it is so important. Yeah. I haven't heard of that, but I like mm-hmm. that healthy tissue does not hurt that. That's really yeah. good. That's yeah. good information. Okay. I'll link up a foam roller that I like, and maybe I'll have you send me the one that you like too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. What is one thing that you do for a healthy mind every day? Oh, every day I have to start my morning just by sitting with a cup of coffee and reading my Bible every morning. And that is just, it, it sets my day up to make sure I have the right perspective that I'm not too absorbed in myself and too absorbed in my business and what I'm doing and making sure that I have just a grander perspective, um, focusing on Christ and, and it's just, it's absolutely essential for my yeah. healthy mind every single day. Yeah. It's just like that daily renewing of the mind. Like, Exactly. I mean, you have to fill yourself up in order to give. And I feel like we just run ourselves so low all the time that we can't. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the last question is, what is the best piece of advice you could leave us with? I would say the best piece of advice is have fun with all the details, all this fun stuff about fitness and nutrition, but don't get too distracted by them. (laughs) Make make sure you have the big picture stuff. Like I was talking about, make sure you have the big picture stuff in place and mastered first before you worry about whether or not you're nailing all the little details. Um, cause you might find that, that the big picture stuff is plenty to Mm -hmm. radically change your life. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. It's easy to get lost in all the details, but like you said, like zooming out on the big picture and yes. just getting that right. I think that is so important. Um, yeah. So I love that so much. You have been a wealth of knowledge. This is not the last time you're going to be on a show. We've already talked in the Yay. beginning that you're going to come back on and I maybe we can do something with foam rolling because yes, my tissue hurts when I get on that thing. <laughs> Your and- tissue needs that roller. <laughs> And I'm sure so many other people could, but I'm learning a lot about fascia and we should not talk about this on the show because this is a side note and probably listening, you don't care, but crazy how things can be due to fascia. Fascia. Like it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of bizarre and it's not really talked about. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's another episode. We'll get to that. But before you go, tell us where they can learn more about you and what you do. Yep. So my website is strongmamas.com and that is spelled kind of funky. So it's strong dash mamas, M-O-M-M-A-S. There's a lot of ways to spell mamas. So strongmamas.com. And actually on there, I have a full foam rolling 
video. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll link that so up in the show notes. It's 12 minutes long and you can learn how to foam roll. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Mamas. Just search Strong Mamas, the same spelling. Um, and then I also have a full online coaching program that you can also find at membership.strong-mamas.com. So that's how you find me. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'll make sure and link all of this up in the show notes so you know where to find it all. But I really appreciate it. And we will be hearing from you in the near future. So thank you again. Thank you, Alexa. This was fun. I mean, who's going to go out and grab a foam roller right away, right? Like, yes, that is a tool that I have that I know has so many health benefits. And I just haven't been able to get myself into it regularly. But what I'm learning about fascia is that it's so important. And this will be a whole podcast coming up. So just stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, don't forget to head on over and check out Megan at strong-mamas.com. She has such great information over there. And if you're looking for more help in the fitness industry, she is a great source of that. Also, don't forget all the links we talked about today and our favorite things and everything else can be found in the show notes at simpleitswellness.com backslash 116. Yes, that's 116. Or you can just head on over to simpleitswellness.com and find all the podcasts. As always, I thank you so much for being here, for staying tuned. And like I said in the beginning, there's some great things coming our way during the new year. So make sure you head on over, sign up for the email list, and stay tuned next week as I have another special solo show talking all about cravings just in time for the holidays. So I will see you then.